Welcome to Founder Views. My name is Costa. I'm your host and co-founder of Web for Realty, a SaaS company that I bootstrapped out of my parents' basement with no money and no tech experience into a fully remote company doing seven figures in ARR. I'm taking you through my SaaS journey in real time as I talk about business situations I'm going through, thinking about, or just find interesting. My purpose is not to give you the answers, but to spark something in your mind that can help improve your business along the way. In this episode, I'm speaking with Jake Stainer. Uh, Jake is currently the head of growth at Travel Perk, a company that helps businesses manage and book their travel. He founded an online language learning app called Papora. Uh, He also consults companies to accelerate their growth. Uh, But most notably, Jake was the head of growth at Typeform. He started with Typeform when they were only doing a million in ARR. He stayed on board with them for just over four years and helped take them to over 25 million in ARR are in that time. So we're diving into a lot of specifics on what strategies Jake used to help Typeform grow exponentially, including tips on product-led growth, how to create viral loops within your app, uh, how he used SEO to help them get from zero to 30,000 signups per month, uh, and much, much more. This is a chat that's just filled with little golden nuggets, so you're definitely going to want to listen in full. And um, without further ado, here's my chat with Jake Stainer. All right, Jake, thank you so much for joining me on the Founder Views podcast. Really appreciate your time. Thank you as well. I'm happy to be on it. Amazing. So you currently uh, got a few things going on from what I can see. You're currently the head of growth at Travel Perk. You, you founded an on, on online language learning company called Papora. Um, you also do consulting for businesses and startups to help accelerate their growth. Is that all correct? Am I missing anything? That's all correct. I have a few things up my sleeve as well, um, which I'll be launching in the future. But these are like my, my main things I have going on right, right now. Okay, perfect. That's awesome. So, so marketing and growth is definitely your thing. Uh, and, you know, there's definitely a bit I want to get into. But before we jump in, uh, just tell our audience a bit about yourself. Like, who is Jake Stainer in your own words? Who am I in my own words? That's a good question. I've never asked myself, who am I in my... Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I guess um, I can tell you what I'm interested in. So, like you said, like, on the growth side of things, like, I guess growth is is kind of like a buzzword right now. Like, is it growth? Is it marketing? Is it product? What, what is growth? Um, I guess I've always been interested in more like the numbers side of things. Um, in fact, when I was little, I, w- I did want to write a novel, but then I soon discovered the internet and I stopped reading um, fiction books. <laughs> so I haven't read one in a while. Um, and I got into um, programming at a very early age and, and was more into like building websites and and I left the books to one side to become more nerdy. <laughs> awesome. That's great. And are you still, you still program? You still code? Yes, I still code. So um, I code my websites here and there. Um, at one point I was like outsourcing the, the coding part, but then I decided to, to basically keep it myself um, and build like the, the, the MVPs myself for the time being but yeah nice nice that's cool um and and where where are you from currently so i'm from england southwest of england 
um, from a small town in the southwest near near Bristol. Um, and now I'm currently living in, in Barcelona, much better weather than the, the UK, right? I was there a few weeks ago um, and it felt like it was the winter. It was raining every day and, and yeah. What's the weather like where, where you are? Uh, well, it's still pretty nice, but summer, definitely the tail end of summer right now, getting ready for fall season. So our summers are really short here in Toronto. Nice. I mean... Yeah, the, the the weather's coming more and more unpredictable. So one day might be summer, the next is winter. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, Barcelona's awesome. So um, so that's great. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I, I want to talk about the projects you're you're working on for sure, but let's scale it back just a bit. Um, as of now, I, I'd probably say you probably agree. Like your most, I guess, notable or, or broadly recognizable role was the head of growth at Typeform. And I, the only reason I say that is because I think most people listening to this have either heard of Typeform or are, are probably using Typeform in some way. So as a head of growth for them at one point, I would think you're somewhat responsible for a lot of these folks using Typeform. Um, so let's talk about that for a bit. Like, When uh, did you join Typeform? Okay, so I joined Typeform in 2015 when there were 25 people in the team. Um, they'd launch like the beta and then they started um, getting paying customers and they were already at 1 million era when I, when, when I joined um, and now they're around 27 million in era. So that's like the journey that I, that, that I went on. <laughs> that's amazing. So you, you went, you started with them when they were really early. So that's great. And I think that that's a great place to start because I think a lot of my audience is probably in that range currently call it 1 million ARR or growing. Um, so, you know, let's talk about some things that you did and implemented at that point that helped ignite or spark, uh, you know, accelerated growth for them. Uh, are you able to talk about some specifics? Yeah, sure. I mean, when you join a startup so small, you end up doing a bit of everything, right? So I was involved with lots of different things between the, um, until the company got a lot bigger. So for context, now there's roughly 200 or just over 200 employees of Typeform in, um, bus, based in Barcelona. And also they have a small office in San Francisco. Um, and in the beginning, so Typeform grew super fast because it inherently has a viral loop, right? When you um, use the product, you share your Typeform and then people find Typeform. Um, and if you're on the free plan and even on the pro plan, um, then you actually have the Typeform branding on it. And then people find Typeform that way. Um, so in the beginning, it was a lot of focus on the product growth. Um, and we had a project um, measuring our K factor, the, like the viral coefficient of Typeform. Um, and that's very tricky to see, for example, for every one person who signs up, how many more people um, come as a result. And then we focused on how can we remove friction on the onboarding and the different parts of this loop to try and speed up and to get more growth from, from the product. So like in the early days, it was a lot of focus on, on like the product growth to really scale it off because right now there's limits on the free plan of 100 responses. But when I joined for the first two years or year and a half, it was unlimited. So we didn't have any limits on um, 
on usage of Typeform. It was unlimited usage, and the um, and the, like the premium the premium set of things were were features, right? So, so having it like untapped usage meant that some people would sign up and they might get like a hundred thousand responses on their Typeform and get like a million views, um, and and that's what really kicked off the growth in the beginning, like optimizing the product growth, the viral loop. Okay. That's it. So was that, um, was that the plan initially, the whole, uh, you know, viral loop side of it and, and, you know, offering it for free and, and hoping people will see the branding type form at the bottom and sort of be curious and sign up themselves. Was that the, the plan or you sort of noticed that afterwards? I don't think that was the initial plan. So type form was, was born from a um, design agency in Barcelona who wanted to, they, they had a project for lead generation. Um, I think it was for a toilet company or something. They wanted to generate leads in like um, an exhibition, like a, on like a stand. Um, and then the design agency was, was tasked with building a better lead generation form. Um, and that's where Typeform was born, where they had one question at a time and then they decided to build it into a product. Um, but what really kicked off this um, product growth side of things is Typeform has a feature called a thank you screen, which is when you um, get to the end of the Typeform, there's a screen that you can personalize or it says, um, hey, sign up to Typeform for free. And one thing we did is we moved this feature to the paid plan. So anyone using Typeform for free at the end of their Typeform would be a big call to action to say, hey, come and set up and start using Typeform. And that's what really like started to create even more exponential growth for the product. Um, so it's kind of moving the different features from a free plan to a pro plan and then really optimizing the the product for for more growth okay that that's interesting as well um now when you say product-led growth you know i think that's sort of a loosely thrown around term nowadays like I, i've seen it mean different things for a few different people like what exactly is product-led growth like from your perspective and, and how you uh, implemented that with Typeform? Yeah, I guess product-led growth, I guess. Like back then, we weren't calling it product-led growth, right? I guess it's kind of like a new, newish term, which has um, popped up. Um, before, I mean, in, in type form, we call it well, product growth. It's basically the, 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 the same thing, right? Um, and I guess it's, it's all about where usage of your product creates even more um, growth. So like the inherent usage of a product would, would create even more users. Uh, so, I mean, common thing is just sharing your product. If your product shareable, like, like a type form or a Prezi presentation, then, then by actually using the product, you're going to create more, more growth. Um, I think a lot of people accidentally had like a viral loop in their product, but now people are looking into how can they like manufacture and engineer a loop in their product when they design it from the first place. In, in the first place, right? So using other tactics like like a referral scheme or or like invite your friends, they're kind of like the common ones, but I guess there's different ways to do it. So I guess, I guess the growth, product growth, to have like real growth, you need to have a K factor of more than one. So that one person who signs up brings more than one person, because if not, you can't create that exponential growth, right? So, so that, that should be the goal. Yeah, so that that's interesting. Can, can you give any, like one or two specific examples of of how you know you implemented that exponential K factor, like you said, with Typeform? 
I mean, one way was was moving um, was moving the the thank you screen feature from the free plan to the pro plan, meaning that everyone who landed on a tie form at right at the end do see a big call to action. Um, another, and then we would optimize this whole loop. So one thing was A-B testing the copy on like the different buttons on the type form. So we had like create your own type form, build your own type form, um, start for free and these types of copies. Um, and then we would A-B test for landing page people would come to. So we A-B tested, for example, just arriving at a sign-up form with no context versus like a landing page explaining exactly the, the value proposition of type form and the landing page one. Um, and there's like more things that we could have done, for example, detecting what use case someone was using. So there was, there's like a big data team at Typeform and they have like a couple of people doing machine learning. Um, and they were working on a way to detect what use case a Typeform was depending on like what questions it had. So was it like a registration form or a contact form? Cause then you could personalize the whole experience of the viral loop, right? So if we detected that you were on a contact form, then when you were to click on the powered by button, like the branded link, then it would say, hey, come and create a, a, a contact form with type form, just like X. And then there's lots of, there's loads of ways to optimize this, right? Um, and I guess those were the main ones on that side. And other things we were optimizing were, was like the onboarding of people using type form, like removing distractions, we're using um, tools, I guess now we would have used tools like Full Story or or Hotjar to see where like the the um, friction is in the product and just removing it so people can get to value faster, right? To speed up that that K factor. Yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, curiosity, you you mentioned uh, A/B testing, like the copy on the buttons. Do you remember which one was sort of the winner? It was create your own type form. That was the winning one. Create your own type. Okay, interesting. So, you know, as you mentioned, you got in type form and they were doing about 1 million ARR. Was there one specific um, marketing strategy or implementation or tweak in the product that really helped propel the company from, call it 1 million to, you know, to 2 million or beyond? Like anything noticeable? Uh, you know, that I that guess there were. Most of the things on the marketing side, which I was more responsible for, was more com- like com- like compounding growth. There wasn't like some big inflections from one month to the other. Um, but the big inflection points, there were two. One was literally moving the um, the thank you screen to the, to, the, to the pro plan. And that had like a big inflection. If you look at like the graph, looking at the MRR on each month. And the other one was actually, we increased the pricing by $10. And that had a, a big inflection too with the pricing. So like understanding... Um, does your price match the match the value of your product? Right? Are you charging too less or or too much and adjusting that? And that's what had a big impact on the on the graph as well. Um, so I guess those were the two biggest things. But a lot of the growth was really on compounding SEO and and paid search over like a long period of of time because Typeform's freemium, um, like the lag. The, the the average conversion like from when someone like lands on a landing page until they pay for Typeform is three months and that's a long time you know because Typeform isn't premium there's no like free trial where most people would would um, subscribe within say 14 days um, it's freemium right so people there's like a huge lag and we were even like looking at people who originated from seeing someone else's Typeform 
and we were seeing people become customers who'd seen someone else's type from two years ago. So there's like this huge lag in the virality and also in the, in the Freeman model. And the viral loop is laggy as well because um, first you have to see someone's type form and then you decide actually you have a need to use type form and then you build your type form and then maybe your coworkers check your type form and then you need to launch your type form. So that whole process is like lag. I think like it's a whole year lag for that viral loop. So I guess Typeform's viral loop isn't the best because it's not the fastest, but it's the way like Typeform grew super fast. And I would say that one viral loop was, was responsible from going from zero to 10 million in, in ARR without any money spent on paid ads. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny, you said one of the, the, um, the other things was just increasing the price to to $10. And I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of people ask, like, you know, what's the best way to sort of increase MRR or revenue. And it's like, you know, as oft as simple as it is, it's just like increase your prices to, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. to, to what value you you think your product is. And that's often the, the easiest way to increase revenue quite easily. Um, so did you also, were you also responsible for, for SEO at Typeform? Yeah. I guess my main role I played was working on paid marketing and SEO. So when I joined, there were like five pages just floating in midair, not linked from anywhere. The Typeform website didn't even have a footer (laughs) where you can link from anything. It was just like a, like a call to action at the bottom, like a super minimalistic website. Um, um, And I noticed obviously there was a huge opportunity in paid search and, and SEO. Um, because Typeform has so many different use cases from like quizzes to forms to surveys. And then you go level down like um, satisfaction survey, feedback survey. You can go down another level like employee satisfaction survey. There's so many different like combinations of use cases Typeform has. Um, and one of the biggest way, ways we grew like through marketing, let's say like marketing growth was through investing in in SEO and and PPC of all of these different use cases um and to give you like an idea of how we scaled seo like the scale like when i started there were like zero product signups from seo and when i left we were hitting like more than thirty thousand per month just from seo like ranking for these different terms um and i guess it was super exciting times where where like we would look at like the daily numbers and we'd reach at 1000 times per day and that was like super cool to see and and yeah that's so like break that down for me like you know from zero seo signups to tens of thousands per month like obviously seo is a very broad topic but uh, are you able to share any actionable tips or strategies that you actually implemented to go from zero to you know thirty thousand? yeah month? sure so i guess um the first one, Typeform's lucky also because um, when people embed their Typeform, um, it's an iframe. And what we did is we added to the embed code a like hyperlink outside of the iframe, which went back to the homepage. So if you like embed a Typeform, if you don't remove the extra piece of HTML, then on your website, there's a link back to Typeform's homepage. Um, and that means right now Typeform has a domain authority of 92 of 100. That's like the same domain authority of other sites like HubSpot um, and other ones. And what we did is we decided to focus on building templates for all of these different use cases. Like we built like a contact form, a registration form. The list goes on like hundreds of templates. 
Um, and obviously, this is high intent. This is for high intent searches, right? If you're looking for create an online registration form, then you want to use the product now. It's not. It's not like a blog post on seven tips to do something. It was super bottom of the funnel. Um, and then we did like a basic, a link building hack where instead of pointing the links to the homepage, when people embedded a type form, um, we detected what the type form was. And for example, if it was a survey, then we, then we would say survey powered by type form. And the word survey would go back to our page that we wanted to rank for surveys and then for forms, quizzes, et cetera. So we basically had our own link building machine linking back to the different pages. I guess they're not the strongest of links because they're like widget links, but they certainly did the trick until we could build up an SEO team and actually do more like proactive link building through other tactics. But I mean, that, that that's how we scaled. I mean, type form ranks for keywords like um, just surveys, just the word surveys it ranks for. Um, and if you type in creator survey, um, we managed to rank above Wikipedia, which I thought would be impossible. And then, we, then afterwards, we ranked above SurveyMonkey, which I thought would be impossible as well. Because SurveyMonkey, in the name SurveyMonkey, they have the word survey. So everyone that links to them, they naturally just have the word survey in their anchor text, right? So, so somehow, well, for a lot of effort and optimizations, we managed to get to number one for really, really competitive keywords. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, what about what about the actual content side of SEO? Like, were you guys pumping out content every day, or what did that look like? So, what we did in the beginning is we were building these these templates for different use cases. So, they served two purposes. One was to acquire new users because they were to, they ranked in Google. Um, the other use was to activate new users because when people sign up to Typeform, they can find a template that they could use, right? So it's like a double, like this, um, um, like double impact. Um, and in the beginning, these like template pages, as we called them, were quite thin of content. It was literally just a template. Um, and then we had a full-time writer like building out content on all of these different uh, pages. Um, doing like research into search intent, like how can we write for for like a registration form, etc. And then we want, went one level higher, and we built these guides. So we had like a guide to create online surveys, a guide to create quizzes, a guide to create forms, um, and then we interlinked everything together. If if that makes sense. Yeah. No. Absolutely. All right. That's awesome. Um, and you said how long were you were you at Typeform? Four years. Well, four just years. under four years, yeah. Okay, so when you were left, they were doing how much in annual recurring revenue? I think when I have 25 million, now it's 27, like a few months later. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Can I ask yeah. why oh. you left? I mean, a lot of people are probably wondering, like, damn, like, you know, such a growing company, <laughs> ahead of growth. Uh, what happened? Good question. I guess um, being there for four years and I was ready for like a new challenge. Um, where I am now, it's... Like a type form, it's 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 a self serve model, right? Um, there is like a like a sales team of three four people. However, the lifetime value of type form is like six hundred dollars, right? So you don't actually really need a sales team. Um, um, so there's so I I left to learn, and because I was there for four years as as well, um, and now where I'm now in Travel Park, then the business model right now is like lead gen and sales driven. So. I'm learning a ton on that side and like the demand gen space. 
Um, and I think it's really useful because I can see like a bigger spectrum now before I was solely focusing on like self-serve and I can see like the, like the bigger picture of things as well, you know, and things I hadn't thought of before, like, like for example, Typeform, we, we, they don't do like lead scoring and lead qualification, account-based marketing campaigns, like lead nurturing in, in like the sense of like before they use your product, like there's no like handover with a sales team or, or like this whole world doesn't exist there, you know? Um, if you were to ask anyone what type form, they wouldn't know what like an MQL is or anything. So, so, um, so yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So you're now with travel perk. Um, tell me about them. Like what do they do exactly? So travel perk, um, was born in the response to a need for a B2B solution for companies that, that, that book travel, right? So the B2C space, like, um, skyscanner, booking.com, et cetera light years ahead of the B2B space where most businesses now, they either use a, um, a travel agent, um, which is like clunky and difficult and, you know, like employees, they don't want to have to wait for a travel agent to look for flights and hotels, et cetera. Um, they want to get access and do it themselves right now. Um, and then other companies, then they let their employees uh, just go and book their travel themselves on like Airbnb or or um, booking.com, et cetera. Um, and then two problems arise, right? One is like compliance. So maybe um, the company has different rules. Like, for example, they don't allow business class flights, for example, um, or hotels that cost more, ex- more, more, more than X per night, right? So how do you put these limits on the travelers? And the other one is it's going to be like a like a like a nightmare for the CFO that wants to know how much you're spending on business travel, where, who, get all the stats, and like the invoicing of all of this must be crazy, right? So, um, Travel Perk basically is a solution for this, where um, a business can use uh, Travel Perk. They add all of their employees, and then they can book all of the travel through Travel Perk. Right now, you can book um, flights, trains, hotels, and cars. Um, and what companies can do is they can put, um, their policies in place. So for example, like I said, like you can't go business class, um, is there an approval process if the travel costs more than a thousand dollars, for example, um, but at the same time, they allow their travelers to be free and use the platform and then book themselves. Um, so that's, that's the pain that travel perk solves. Um, like any business that does travel can, can't can use travel perk it's 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 a freemium model as well just like completely for free um because the business model is travel perk right now makes money from the commission they get from like hotels and flights etc um and there's also this plan where you can pay 10 euros per trip and then you get like premium support and 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 other benefits okay yeah that makes a lot of sense for sure um how how big is is their team currently well, so I joined in March. There were like 220 people. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated 300 people. Literally yesterday, Monday, 30, 35 people began. Like, it's going to be more than 400 by the end of this year, probably 600 the next year. Like the growth is like really, really crazy growth. Like I thought the growth at Typhoon was crazy when I saw like... Um, like um, 10 people per month, like start every single month, but here like 50 people per month, like it's another level. 
Damn, wow, that's that's crazy. Are, are they a funded company? I'm, I'm assuming, or yeah, funded. So like literally in July, so um, like a month and a half ago, Child Park we closed our like Series C of a hundred million dollars. So so yeah, definitely funded. Oh yeah, that that explains it. Uh, are you are you following a lot of the sort of same? methodology and strategies you use with type form in the way you look at growth and, and marketing or has a digital space sort of changed quite a bit since then? Like, what are you noticing? Um, so on this side, I guess um, right now I'm missing the self-serve model a lot because now um, the games have changed, right? So basically my role right now is we're not focusing on, on self-serve yet. We will like very soon. Right now, the model we're focusing on is like the, the man gen model. Um, so right now, what we're doing is um, we're focusing on different like demand gen tactics and, and working with the sales development team on how can we speak to these people and how can we convert them, right? Because when you do the self surf model, you can, you can change your funnel, your website. Um, but then this model is completely different, right? When you have real humans reaching out to people, it's the games have changed completely. So, so that's what I'm working on right now. Okay. I like that. So you mentioned, you know, focusing on demand gen, like, can you give an example of, of an effective demand gen strategy? I mean, for me, demand gen for me is like generating leads for, for a sales team. So, so that they can follow up on them. Um, I think like the tactics you can use are similar to like self-serve but not all similar i mean what really impacts the tactics you can use in business is your lifetime value of your products right so for example type form lifetime value is like 600 700 and that meant at type form we couldn't even run facebook ads because it wasn't it it didn't work out you know because um even SaaS companies their their goal is to be on a three to one ratio from lifetime value to cac right so like the economics have to work out like Typeform couldn't do lead gen at events because how are you going to make that work if you can only pay one third of $600, like $200 for one customer? Um, so, but then obviously, um, well, not obviously, at Travel Perk, the average lifetime there is a lot higher. You know, there's, there, there's huge companies spending, spending money with Travel Perk. So right now we think the lifetime value is like 100000 And that changes the game again, right? Because suddenly you can do events. Suddenly you can do webinars. Um, certainly you can do tactics that you couldn't do before. Um, so I think when you're looking at what tactics you should um, hire to do in your business, you should really have a good look at your lifetime value and see how, how it, that's limiting your ability to do different tactics or, or you look at that and then choose what tactics you, you pursue. You know, for example, type phone wasted time looking at LinkedIn ads, but you know, um, LinkedIn ads, people say you should have a lifetime value minimum of 3K to even attempt it, you know, so there's these different things to, to have into account. I agree. Yeah. Lifetime value is sort of the, the key metric, I guess, when determining, you know, which uh, avenue to, to market in. Um, it, it's funny. I, I spoke to a, um, a very successful CMO of a, a successful SaaS company, uh, recently. And, and, um, you know, according to him, he doesn't think there's any 
return on investment on, on Facebook and social ads anymore for SaaS companies. Um, what's your opinion or response to that? I mean, it definitely is. I mean, what happens is that um, these channels are maturing and and um, they're becoming more expensive. Everyone says, hey, Facebook's too expensive. But um, what you need to do is you need to increase your lifetime value, right? Um, so that you can invest in these channels. Um, I mean, l- l- I think you should look at your product and see ways in which you can increase your lifetime value. Like, do you do you create a plan like a plan where you can sell to like a higher segment, etc., um, to be able to do a channel like Facebook or other channels which are more expensive, like LinkedIn ads, which might before have limited you. Um, and another thing is to look at how you measure um, or how much you're prepared to spend to acquire one customer in a speci- in a specific channel. So, for example, uh, um, Typeform, because paid search was so competitive, but we wanted to be there. Um, we we actually our goal was to break even in paid search, right? So we were paying like um, six hundred dollars per customer in paid search, breaking even, not even playing on the three to one ratio, because what we decided was to take a portfolio strategy where we'd look at all of the channels and say, we want to be on a three to one for all of the channels, even like direct and organic branded channels. Um, but then on specific channels, we can break like the mold and we can be on a one-to-one. So one thing I guess is finding ways to increase lifetime value. And another thing is, is looking at how do you measure a channel? Like, are you going to say this is, um, we're prepared to, 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 to break even? Um, do you accept that you're also going to, going to um, get people you can't even track, right? So if you run like a Facebook ad, are there people who are seeing that ad and then just coming to your website or even telling their friends? Um, so are you prepared to spend even more than your um, lifetime value because you understand that you're having a bigger impact that you can't even measure? Um, so I think it's different things that come together. But before, but you know, the lifetime value obviously limits your ability to invest in different channels. But if it's like borderline, then there's different things that that you can do to 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 your to um, allow yourself to do that. I, I totally agree. I think that's um, some some key points there. And you know, in regards to the sort of three to one uh, LTV to CAC ratio, you know, uh, I come from a, like a bootstrapped perspective. Like if you ask me, I think that ratio, the three to one, is way too low for a bootstrap company. I think that sort of approaches a fine line between uh, growth and, and staying afloat. I mean. Again, uh, especially for bootstrap, if your intentions are to run a profitable and sustainable business uh, at three to one, I don't think the unit of economics are too great. Like it doesn't leave too much buffer room to like reinvest in your company, pay yourself, leave cash reserves, pay taxes. I I think the three to one makes more sense if uh, if you're a company that um, has money to burn, to put it simply. So, okay. you know, that's just my take on that. But um, what, what do you think you should be on? If you're what, a bootstrap what, what, company, I, I like like five or six to one at least. Okay. I guess it always, it also depends on your payback period, right? Because, I mean, it's your goal to recuperate your investment within six months, one year, more. I guess it depends, you know, because if you're measuring lifetime value of five years and you want to be on a three to one, then obviously you're not going to re- recuperate all of that within one year. I guess it depends on different things, right? Yeah. There, there's definitely a lot of variables at play there for sure. Um, like I said, a lot of my audience, they're, they're smaller startups, usually bootstraps might not have, you know, a huge budget to play with, with ads. 
So, so where do you think it is a good place to start for those folks just trying to figure out an optimal growth channel? Like what's working best right now in your opinion? Interesting question. So I think there's like two stages that you should go to when you like start a business. Um, I'm trying to coin names now. Um, I think the first stage is like the hustle stage where you want to like prove your product market fit or, or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, and this is the stage where you don't really, you don't have to create predictable growth. Things don't have to be scalable. They don't have to be repeatable. Um, your goal is to get to like um, a defined number, like, like a goal you have, maybe it's, I don't know, like um, 5k MRR or something. And you're prepared to do what it takes to get there. It doesn't matter if you can't repeat it tomorrow, you know? So it's kind of like the hustle stage where you want to be able to start generating revenue, which maybe you decide to invest in paid ads or other things in the future. Um, And it doesn't matter if things aren't repeatable. And then the second stage is when you've reached like this goal you've, you've set yourself, then your challenge is how can you create a like predictable model how can you invest in channels which can grow and compound etc and are going to bring in like revenue every single every single month right and and that could be um and it depends on your on your business as well like it could be um seo it could be ppc i mean there's loads of different factors but i strongly think like in the beginning you shouldn't try and find a a scalable channel. I think in the beginning you need to really um, like prove that people want your product and it doesn't matter how you get there. If it's like networking with people or going on a podcast or going on a forum or building like your, your, your network or creating like really great content and, and sharing it and then other people share it. You don't have to create like a scalable channel because SEO is super slow. Even for tight form, it was slow with like a 92 domain authority. It would still take like four months or something That's to true. rank, you know? You know, uh, one thing you said there, uh, which is so true. I think nowadays I, I just find people just try and get too fancy when it comes to to sales and growing. You know, I, I, I believe in like, you know, classic hustle always wins. Like I wrote a popular post on that. It's like there's nothing wrong with like picking up the phone and, and getting your first customers. Like I literally single-handedly probably got five or the first five or 600 paying users at my company oh, wow. just through cold calling, you know, well, and that's a lot, 600. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's I mean, grinding and hustle. Like people, I agree. Of that. I agree. I mean, that's what you have to do. Like grind and hustle until you get to your first X um, customers. Right. I was thinking of the analogy of like um, age of empires or something like you're in the stone age. <laughs> You can't, you're not in like the tech age of like spacecrafts and stuff. Like you have to, you've got like a stone and chisel and you have to chisel your way to, to get to that next stage, you know, of, of growth. So, so maybe you set your goal of 500 paying customers and you cold call or you reach out to people on LinkedIn, et cetera, and then you get there. And then with that revenue, it then allows you to invest in SEO or, or like another channel, you know? So, so I really agree with you that the first stage is definitely hustling in, exactly. in the stone age. <laughs> exactly. You know, call me old school, but, you know, I think nowadays a, a lot of uh, founders and, and entrepreneurs I speak to, they there's almost like this sense of entitlement almost, like just because you have this, you know, built this cool app and you have a nice website that you think people are just going to, you know, sign up to use you just because you're, you're running a few ads and all that. But, 
you know, I, I think a, a trend that I see is people want to get to the finish line without running the race. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, there's no, there's no shortcuts, no substitute for hard work. Definitely not. It's just taking a lot of action and every single day until you get there. Right. Yeah. Um, quick, uh, you know, sort of on the side, I guess a plug for maybe both of us, you're, uh, you're a mentor on growthmentor.com. I'm curious to see how, uh, how, how's that been for you? What are your, uh, what's your takeaways with, uh, some, some mentees and calls that you've been having? I mean, what have I learned from, I mean, I've had lots of different calls, um, different, different, um, watched like all the, um, help that was needed. Um, I mean, general things I've been seeing is a lot on like pricing. Like some people don't price their service high enough for B2B. Some things are just like a steal. And, and if they like double or triple their price, they could just instantly skyrocket their, their business. Um, there's people who I think like don't have their business model right as well. Like we talked about like, like the whole like lifetime value thing as well. Does it match what you want to do? Like if your lifetime value is too low, then you can't do some tactics, you know, etc. I mean, really, really mix for different things, you know. I mean, how how about you? Uh, you know what? I, I think it's a it's a great platform. Like I have a lot of fun with these calls. I, I just think it's it's great to to just give back and, and share your insights and experiences. And, you know, I think it would be a shame for people to just bottle in what they've learned and what they know when you can, you know, help someone in return, even if, if what, you know, you're helping someone 1%, get 1% better. I mean, for me, at least that that's a huge win and I get a lot of uh, gratification from that. So yeah, I, I'm definitely enjoying it. Cool. Um, 1% is a big percent. That's a lot. <laughs> no, you're right. Maybe like a fraction. I wish I had 1% more every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. Awesome. Uh, Jake, I do want to be mindful of your time here. I do end off each call with what I call uh, the top three. Are you ready? I hope so. <laughs> it's easy. Number one, your favorite business book. My favorite business book. I actually have like a whole shelf behind me reading loads and loads of different books. I guess the favorite one would have to be um, um, Influence Book, the the, um, the Psychology of Persuasion, looking through the six different um, ways to, to, to influence. Um, I read it like ages ago in 2010, and, and I think everyone should should read it. It's like the Bible of marketing, right? Yeah, you know what? You're the second person in like a month who's said that book and it's on my reading list. It's now officially on top of that list. So I got to get on that. Uh, Definitely. No, <laughs> number two, your, your favorite vacation spot. Favorite vacation spot. I guess I really like Spain, even though I live here. <laughs> you know, um, like the culture, the like the language. I guess lots of people can like relate to this, like the tapas and this kind of thing. So I definitely have to say Spain, and like there's loads of beaches. Spain's really big, you know. You got like the south, like the north, like it's completely different. So I guess this this country where I am now. Nice. Just to backtrack a bit, Travel Park. Are they a remote company? Or are they from Barcelona? No. They're in Barcelona because they they strategically chose to be here because there's lots of travel related startups here. There's like 
I don't know if you've heard of it, it was like like eDreams and one of these other like travel companies here. So there's like a lot of talent related to travel, um, like already available. So so that's why they and they were in and they were here here already as well. So that's why they they kind of decided to do it here. It's a nice, okay. it's a very nice city. That's interesting. All right. And uh, lastly, what's the one thing that you wish you knew when you were just starting out in business? The one thing, I have so many things. I guess the one thing I wish I had known is that um, networking isn't difficult. Um, and lots of people are more than happy to network with you and, and, and give you free time. And this actually relates to growth mentor. I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> um, <laughs> I swear. So like one thing I wish I'd known is that like people are just open to networking with you and, and most of the things I've actually learned um, that, I've, that I've applied to my career has actually been speaking to people and more so than like in books and things. Like I've spoken to different people in different companies and I've taken their ideas and implemented them myself. And, and I think that's one of like the game changing things I did. Um, so I would definitely like go on LinkedIn or even better, like go on Growth Mentor and just find people. Like there's people that are even like, they offer their time for free. They want to give back and, and you'll be surprised like how much you'll learn in such a short amount of time. Like for sure, that's the thing I wish I'd done years and years and years ago. Like had I done that, like I would have just accelerated my knowledge like a lot faster. So I guess that's, that's what I definitely would have done. I totally agree. Great advice there. Uh, Jake, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, and I would love to do this again sometime. Sounds good. Thanks for your time as well. Actually, uh, before that, uh, if someone wanted to uh, reach out, get a hold of you, where's the best place to find you? Um, you can check out my website. So it's called um, inflectiongrowth.com. Um, I've got a few blog posts on there. I'm going to publish some more on there. And if you want to get in touch, there's there's a contact form. So feel free to reach me out there or as well, hunt me down on Growth Mentor. Currently quite high up on there, so it shouldn't be that hard, but maybe I'll go down. <laughs> Try and find nice. me on there. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, Jake, thanks again. Really appreciate that. I'll make sure to add all that in the show notes. And uh, yeah, really appreciate it. And I'll definitely talk soon. Sounds good. Let's keep in contact. Right. Absolutely. Take care. Take care. See you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear it. Be sure to check out founderviews.com for my latest posts and episodes on my journey with everything SaaS, business, and startups. Talk to you later. Peace.